morning. Welcome to the Daily Slash Weekly Ding. Happy Thursday, Friday, whenever you're going to listen to this. Who cares? Just happy day to you. We've got all the latest coming out of the NBA suspension amid the coronavirus pandemic. I'm Zach Harper. That's Dave DeFour. we got Andrew Schleck pushing buttons, making us sound good. By the way, theathletic.com slash daily ding. You're going to get a free 30-day trial you get all the best from our team of writers covering the NBA better than anybody else does. And be sure to use the comment section on the app to let us know how we're doing. Coming up on today's show, we discuss which players will be in or out of the NBA bubble as we get closer to basketball resuming this season for the 2019-2020 season. Dave, we've got positive tests. We've got guys sitting out. We've got guys coming back. Where do you want to start? I guess let's start with the positive tests, right? That's the juicy stuff right now. Yeah, absolutely. After the great tennis party... From Novak Djokovic and him getting around people and hugging people and and going to basketball games and hugging Nikola Jokic, Denver Nuggets center Nikola Jokic has tested positive for coronavirus. Shocker. So his his return to the States has been delayed. His return to the Nuggets has been delayed. But I believe he was healthy, asymptomatic, all that good stuff. We have Malcolm Brogdon uh, testing positive for the Indiana Pacers, saying he will uh, join his teammates in Orlando. We have a bunch of Suns players. We have Kings players like Alex Len, Buddy Heald, Jabari Parker, Derek Jones Jr. from the Miami Heat. We got a lot of guys testing positive for COVID-19. We got a lot of people freaking out about it. Dave, tell us why we should not be freaking out about this. This is a feature, not a bug. This is a feature, not a bug. The NBA built in this ramp-up time before everyone goes to Orlando to catch these cases. And as a matter of fact, these players, just by virtue of taking the test and finding out, didn't know that they were already positive for COVID, which is, I guess, great. But we don't know what asymptomatic means long term, so I don't want to get into that part of it. But we knew we were going to get positive tests. <laughs> Again, it's a feature, not a bug. I, I can't understand uh, the the outcry over this. Like This is all a part of the plan. You want to catch these, get them taken care of. And that way you can start in Orlando with what is hopefully a clean slate. If you can catch them all now, you don't send them to Orlando with it. I, I just don't. Zach, I cannot understand the uh, the outrage over this. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of moralizing and some of it valid and some of it just a little tired and seems like people are going through the motions. But yeah, there's a lot of moralizing because there are people who believe we should not have sports the rest of this year, which I don't blame them. Like I yeah, maybe like I, I'm I'm in on the idea of everyone get the hell inside. Let's wait till we have a vaccine. Let's stop trying to reopen things because as you look at every chart from countries around the world, everyone's going down with these cases and we're still going up, right? Like we have we have hot spots all over this country, and the way to do that is to keep it inside. Except you know when you sacrifice, uh, you know some of this. I guess, safety for the economy, which is what they're doing, uh, not just in the NBA, but with other other things like, you know, that that's what's going to happen. You're going to see cases continue to rise. But the NBA and, and I believe Dr. Fauci said it's a it's a good plan. There are other people saying, yeah, it's a it's a pretty good plan. Like it's not a foolproof. And I think people are saying, hey, if it's not foolproof, it feels like you're exploiting these players for money. And the NBA is to a certain degree. But I'm with you in the fact that you would rather them get it now. You like the NBA built this cushion, and the NBA wasn't expecting zero tests or just a few tests. I would guess they're expecting a higher percentage than what the country's you know rate of infection is. And you're seeing that with I think the Suns are like 20 percent of the roster you know have have caught it. Uh, the 
Kings, 20% of the roster have caught. It's way above the national average. But you also have guys who, I think, based on the money and the line of work and the fame and everything, we were expecting players to get it, and you'd rather them get it now than in Orlando, as long as you know we hope that they don't have long-term effects and consequences from getting this disease, right? Right. The NBA coming back has not contributed one iota to these players testing positive. That's the the first thing off the bat, that the NBA going to Orlando did not cause these guys to catch COVID. Clearly, they already had it. Now, uh, we had Dr. Zach Benny on Nerder, she wrote this week. You know, he's an epidemiologist. We talked about the NBA's comeback plan. He agrees with Dr. Fauci. It is a sound plan. Now, he has changed his stance a little bit because of Florida's, you know, recent spike. Uh, you know, he's gone from, you know, thinking it's 90-10 as far as 90% good, 10% bad to 65-35. So, clearly, this is, this is more about Florida than the NBA's plan. And I think that the concerns over Florida are completely valid. Yes. Um, but the NBA is taking... Every single step. And, you know, I just want to make sure no one thinks I'm, I'm like a mouthpiece here for the league. I, I don't have any involvement in this whatsoever. But if you're going to have like if you're going to come back, their plans seem to be as sound as any that we've seen from any other leagues. And I just I don't understand the public outcry over the positive tests that are happening the first day of testing. It's just it seems uh I don't know. Maybe it's just fake. Maybe it's just people, you know, looking for a reason to express outrage. I don't know. Yeah, which that tends to be social media in general, right? Um, yeah, yeah, like I mean, Amin, Amin Al Hassan and I have talked about this on NBA Radio since the shutdown. Of look, it doesn't make sense to us for this to come back. I don't. I don't think it should come back. But I'm also not going to be able to stop this league from coming back and trying to, you know, save a billion dollars. So, like, I've been outspoken against it. I don't think it's a great idea. I'd rather everyone stay inside until. Um, until we can get over this as a country and as a world, but that's not going to happen. So in in analyzing what they've got, I don't love the plan. I think it's I think it's probably good enough, but I have real concerns about things getting shut down once it resumes. Right? Like I I you know I think Ethan uh, had a quote from someone in a front office saying it's more like a mesh hat than a bubble. And so what happened? You know, if you catch in a couple of things here and there, that's fine. But if you get a deluge of this stuff, a mesh hat's not going to do anything for you, right? Like, it's not, mm-hmm. that's not helping anybody. And so my concerns are with the Disney World workers and what, that, what their exposure is going to mean to not only themselves, because I do care about the lives of people outside of the NBA, but to, to what that's going to mean to you know, everyone in the NBA involved in this thing. And so um, based on what they've got, like, yeah, it's probably good enough. We'll see. But again, players testing positive now was expected. The league as you mentioned, built in this cushion to to have this time, to have them quarantine, to have them self-isolate, to get them through this virus, um, and then they can re- rejoin their teams. Yeah, and as far as the plan goes, again, testing the, the Disney employees would make everyone feel a little bit more comfortable, but the evidence suggests that it's it's spread through direct interpersonal contact which means there are ways like you do all your food to go, you know, you don't, you know, you have the rooms cleaned when the players are not present. There are plenty of steps that can be taken to make this safe. And and to a certain degree, these players, because of the stringent testing, which we don't have nationally, uh, and because of the controlled atmosphere, these players may be less apt to catch COVID than the general population. So, you know, any, any argument against the NBA coming back, is not about safety. It's about optics. And, and certainly we can have that conversation. But yeah. 
you know, this is I don't think that this is a good faith argument. Yeah, I'm with you for the most part on that. Like I, I it doesn't seem like a good faith argument. Players that won't be playing in Walt Disney World. We have Trevor Ariza uh, is going to spend a month with his son in a custody issue uh, instead of going to to play for the Portland Trailblazers. I don't think anyone could realistically fault him for that. That just seems like the right thing to do. Like, go be with your kid. Like, that seems like the move. Davis Bertans is going to sit out because he's a free agent this summer. He wants to make sure he's uh, healthy, doesn't doesn't ruin any earning possibility. Evan Fournier talked a little bit of shit on that on Twitter, and Bertans... uh, you know, basically replied and said uh, to Adam next time. So there's a fun little uh, thing for next time the Wizards play the play the Orlando Magic. We have Avery Bradley. He has a six-year-old son with a history of respiratory issues, so he'll stay out. Willie Cauley-Stein has a baby due in July. He'll stay out. DeMarcus Cousins said he wants to focus on uh, coming back for next season, even though I believe Shams Tarani of The Athletic uh, reported that there was interest from other teams expressed. Courtney Lee has a uh, calf injury from a freak accident, so he won't be joining the Mavericks or any other team. They have waived him, and then play- players joining the bubble. Tyler Johnson signing with the Nets. J.R. Smith is possibly going to the Lakers with this Avery Bradley news. Anthony Tolliver signed with the Grizzlies. Joachim Noah's with the Clippers. Uh, David Waba's with the Rockets. Trey Burke is signing with Dallas, and Corey Brewer is signing with Sacramento. Out of all those players that are signing Dave who do you feel like has the best uh the best opportunity to actually contribute and help a team well I think Noah's going to get some minutes and, and potentially some big time minutes uh especially as you get later in the western conference and you start running into some of the the better centers uh but Anthony Tolliver with the Grizzlies like I, let's not overlook that I mean he can shoot and it's a veteran presence on a young team I mean he's gonna probably get minutes because these are high stake games and that's typically how it goes uh, I think those two signings are probably the biggest. Trey Burke offers quite a bit for Dallas because Jalen Brunson's out with that shoulder injury. Oh, good call, yeah. And he can not only pick up the slack there, but he can play next to Luka. He's a pretty good spot-up shooter. So yeah. he's going to get an opportunity. You know, the, the other guys, uh, J.R. Smith obviously is going to be a high-profile player oh, if he man. signs with I'm the Lakers. S- I'm so excited. I'm, I'm here for it. Uh, but Corey Brewer and Tyler Johnson, I mean, those aren't just aren't needle movers for me. Uh, Nwaba, nice player. I I, I question getting even smaller i mean they cut isaiah hartenstein yeah uh from the rockets you know on a team that already doesn't have size so now if you want to go big i guess you're going bruno caboclo at center yeah but he's like 95 pounds i don't know if that's... yeah <laughs> i don't know what you're and, doing there right so you know it, it is interesting i do think though uh the burke noah and and tolliver signings in particular stand out to me um and, and by the way these signings never really matter, but but on paper, I think those are the ones. Yeah, absolutely. And then a uh, little news, Theo Pinson got waived from the Nets uh, to make room for Tyler Johnson. According to ESPN reporting, Zion Williamson will, quote, shock some people in his return to the court. Dave, he's apparently in great shape. He's been very diligent about uh, about staying in shape, getting into shape during this time off. And so we haven't seen pictures yet. You know, we saw pictures of skinny Jokic. We saw pictures of skinny Marcus Saul. Uh, but we haven't seen the pictures of, of skinny Zion or skinnier Zion, I should say. I don't know if he's actually skinny. Um, but if this is true, maybe the slam, maybe the NBA knew. Maybe they knew that Zion was in better shape. And like, we got to get this guy on the court for this. We got to get this play-in tournament. All, all of the comeback is hinging on Zion being in better shape. I mean, what if he got taller? What if that's the shock? That he That'd got like four cool, inches actually. taller. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be into that. Um, yeah. Who do we hope is fat? 
Lucas seems to be the one that everyone's talking about is like maybe he's coming back fat. Uh, but I was thinking you know like what? our Tim Cato talked to Lucas Trainer and he's in shape. He's not in game shape, but none of these guys will be. But right. But Lucas Trainer says Luca is in shape. Uh, you know, as far as players that we hope are fat, I like it's going to be guards. You know, like like what if DJ Augustine came oh, back yeah. thirty pounds heavier? I love something a fat like guard. That. I love Raymond yeah. Felton. Raymond Felton, exactly. Yeah. Like you know, who's gonna take that? Who's gonna put on that lockout weight? I wouldn't mind Jaron Jackson Jr. being fat or just like having a pot belly. You know, see, I but I feel like he would just get better. I think he would. I, that's the yeah. thing. I think he'd have a little weight to throw around. I think he could use that pot belly to his advantage. I, I would be in on on Jaron Jackson Jr. getting a little fat. Um, James Harden's skinny, but what if Russell Westbrook got fat? Like oh that God. would that would be fun. <laughs> I'd love to see a big fat Jakob Purtle on this floor for the Spurs. I think that could I mean, be fun. Fat Russell Westbrook would just be young Barkley, right? <laughs> yeah, I think that's what that is. I think they're the exact same size if he gets fat. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but the, I mean, the funniest guy to get fat, you know, is definitely like the smaller players. Like if Trey Young, you know, somehow just lived on uh, Cheetos this entire right. time, which yeah. we know he hasn't because we watched Ooh. him playing in that pickup game. What about a fat Patrick Beverly? That might be the move. That'd be incredible because yeah. I feel like the, he would talk even more. Oh, he'd talk even more and yeah. he'd just have, you know, just crumbs flying out of his mouth as he talked. It'd be great. The New York Knicks are hiring CAA's William Wesley, otherwise known as World Wide West, as the executive vice president and senior advisor for the Knicks. That was according to ESPN. Uh, I believe it became official. The uh, The World Wide West thing is interesting. They, they brought him in with Leon Rose earlier, and then he decided he didn't want to do it, and now he's back. Uh, he has connection to stars. He, you know, he has the ear of just about anyone. His opinion is well respected around the league. Um, everyone has an agenda, Dave, but like people truly believe around the NBA that he will give you an objective opinion on what's going on and objective advice. So, how does that work in the Knicks' favor? Well, I, I think you know if you look at the other hires that they've made, and, and especially starting with Leon Rose, it's pretty clear that they are trying to leverage that agent relationship side. Uh, to the maximum degree, and, and we've seen it. You know, we saw it in, with the Lakers and, and and what they have going on in their front office. We're seeing other teams kind of follow this plan. And hey, listen, you're, you already had CAA kind of running the Knicks anyway. Now it's just official. So let's hope that it turns into them being able to spend some of this cash on higher level free agents, or or maybe you know, as their plan was leaked earlier this year, um, find a disgruntled star and trade for him. I mean, this this front office now has connections to guys like Donovan Mitchell, yep. uh, Trey. I mean, just all, all kinds of players. So, you know, can you leverage those relationships and, and turn it into meaningful assets? I mean, that's going to be the true test of this of this front office. And and on top of that, you know, it's it's still going to come down to James Dolan either gets in the way or he stays out of the way. Right. Like they can exactly. bring in the right people. They brought in great. Like, I don't know if Leon Rose is good, but I do know. Like he's connected, and he's respected. Uh, Worldwide West is as respected as anyone. Walt Perrin is one of the most respected draft guys in the league. Mm-hmm. They brought in good front office people, but it's still James Dolan's team. Speaking of, it's still believed that Tom Thibodeau is the is the favorite to get hired as the coach, but they are going to interview Jason Kidd for the coaching position. I believe they get getting permission from the Lakers. He's an assistant under Frank Vogel, and. There's been some whispers from people wondering if this could be a link to Giannis. Let me tell you right now, Dave, I do not think there's a chance Giannis wants to play for Jason Kidd anymore. I think he likes Jason Kidd, but there's a difference between liking someone and wanting them to coach you again. Uh, yeah, I think you I think you kind of have 
got that right on the money. Um, you know, the Jason Kidd thing, I don't I don't think he's a particularly good coach. Um, and, and but there's certainly other issues involved when you have Jason Kidd as the you know, involved in your organization as a coach. Um, I'm not sure that the Knicks should welcome that sort of uh, distraction to to their to their team. Start yeah. with a fresh slate. Yeah, start with a fresh slate or Tom Thibodeau, you know, either one. <laughs> but sure. It's all, it's all yeah. with, that, with that CAA connection. Paul George was on the Knuckleheads podcast with Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles, which is one of my favorite podcasts, and said that he decided he wanted to be traded from Indiana. He told his, uh, his agent to get him out of there after he was told by, quote-unquote, the best power forward in the league back in 2017 – that he wanted to that he wanted to play with Paul George. So Paul George told the Pacers go trade for this guy and they said they couldn't do it. They couldn't afford it, whether that means assets, whether that means the money that would have to be there. So at first the biggest free agent power forward in 2017 was believed to be uh, Blake Griffin, but then there were some reports from J Michael of the Indianapolis Star that this was uh, Anthony Davis wanting to play with Paul George. Do you believe this was about Anthony Davis? Uh no. No. I mean, why? I I think it's more about Indiana than it is anything else. And I don't understand why Paul George feels the need to continuously change this story. It just... He can just... No one cares. You can just say, I didn't want to stay in Indiana. Even Indiana would probably just respect it if you just said... If you just stuck to a story. Just say it. Just say, you know what? I decided I don't want to be there anymore. I mean, listen. We all know he's a lifelong Clippers fan. (laughs) Yes. So we all know he just wanted to play for the Clippers his entire life, you know, grew up a big fan of Olden Polonies, I guess. Lamont Murray. Yeah. Maybe Eric Piekowski. Maybe he's a big Polish rifle guy, you know, big Michael Olua Candy. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Just uh, stick with that story. <laughs> just stick with that story. Right. Yeah. Why do you think Paul George keeps changing his story? Because it does just keep getting tweaked here and there. Is it? I. Does he feel a need to justify his reason? Maybe. I don't know. I Like, again, I, I talk about this quite a bit. I think that a lot of these guys would just do themselves a favor by not trying to explain everything. Like, you can, like you're allowed to be a human being and change your mind and, and, yeah. and have things that you prefer. We don't need an explanation for every single thing. Usually what happens is something like this, where he is now contradicted himself or added new parts to a story that that he had already told and you just all you do is kind of turn off fans i'm assuming um you know and give us stuff to talk about i guess but i'm not sure why he keeps changing his story yeah just next time paul i said this on the radio yesterday I, i think we need i think we need the paul george left indiana story to get a damian lillard 38 footer in its eye and then Dame can wave goodbye to this story, and we can never talk about it again. Like, Paul just needs – this needs to go away. Stop explaining yourself. You didn't want to be in Indiana anymore. Everyone outside of Indiana gets it. And if they don't get it in Indiana, they don't have to. They like the place. That's fine. Let's just let's just move on, Paul. Let's stop telling the story. Let's stop changing the story. Speaking of getting out of places, Andre Drummond got out of Detroit to go to Cleveland. He didn't love that idea at first, but he's at least going to stick there for another year because Dave, he said on the Stupidity podcast from Levitard and Friends, talking to Stu Gatz of the Levitard Show, that uh, he is going to pick up his option for the 2020-2021 season, which is shocking when you find out that option is $28.7 million. That's, uh, that's a pretty good reason to stay in Cleveland. You know, I think you could probably, you know, have a nice 
a nice year in Cleveland for yeah. $28.7 million. I, I think we're going to see this a lot from guys that have these these big options to pick up. There's so much uncertainty. This is the smart move in particular for Andre Drummond because who even knows what his market's going to look like? While he puts up numbers, you know, his impact on the court is definitely not he's not making $29 million worth of impact on the court. So, he's most likely not going to get this per annual uh salary again in his career. Take the money while it's there and then hope hope that, you know, next summer when more teams have money and miss out on on big free agents, uh, you could still get a good long term deal. Oh man, love being a contingency plan. You so still, good. Make, still make a lot of money as a contingency That's right. plan, Andre. Hey, I'll, I'll take eighteen million dollars <laughs> as a contingency plan. I wouldn't mind it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. But then speaking of getting out of places, Vince Carter has finally left the NBA, officially retired from the NBA after a record twenty-two seasons. 22 seasons in the NBA. No one's ever played uh, over 21 before Vince Carter. He had eight all-star appearances, two all-NBA selections. He was obviously the rookie of the year in 1999. Scored over 25,000 points. People will remember the dunk contest day. They remember him jumping over Frederick Weiss in the Olympics. A bunch of game winners. Toronto loved him, and then Toronto hated him. Uh, What's your favorite memory of Vince Carter? So I grew up in ACC country and Vince Carter's rookie season in the NBA was actually my senior year of high school. Okay. Uh, 98, 99. That's like how, how far back I go with Vince Carter. And I mean, I watched every game he played at UNC. So when I think of Vince Carter, I usually think of those UNC teams with him and Anton Jameson. Uh, The stuff he was doing in college. I mean, there's just nobody else doing that. And the the Jordan comparisons that were coming were obvious, you know, because right. he played at UNC and he dunked, you know, like no one ever saw. But when you look at his career, I'm going to tell you something that might shock you. He's sixth all time in made threes. Whoa. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I mean, you think about how he came into the league and what era he came in and how he finished. I mean, so this guy, when when it's when the wheels started to come off, which by the way, he played until he's 43 and he was very productive until he was like 36, 37, was still a good role player. Um, but as his athleticism started to wane, you know, he improved as a three point shooter. I mean, I think his career is like over 34 percent. That's pretty good for a guy coming into the league the way he did and and as the style of player that he was. Um, you know, I, I think that one of the things I'll, I'll think about with Vince is how he was able to stay relevant through so many different eras. I mean, you know, it's easy to forget those Nets teams that he was on yeah. that were, you know, like made a finals run. And, and you know, because we just don't talk about him because they didn't win a title, but those teams were really good. I mean, it was him, Jason Kidd, Kerry Kittles, a uh, little Keith Van Horn eventually. I mean, it just he's just involved in so much. And, you know, when you play 22 seasons, you're going to be. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the story of, of Vince Carter in the NBA, I think, is that – that evolution and longevity. Yeah, pretty long- incredible. Longevity is just insane. Um, with Vince, I got to talk to him for about 45 minutes about the dunk contest once. Uh, I was supposed to get 10 minutes with him for this thing I was writing for CBS, and he sat he sat on the phone with me for 45 minutes explaining every like reasoning for each dunk throughout the night, like explaining that whole thing. And it was one, and it's the best thing I've ever written. It was the coolest, like one of the coolest interviews I've ever done. Like it was so much fun. But my biggest Vince Carter memory is there were, and then, again, this is back before YouTube, so this was like his second year, maybe his first summer in the NBA after after his rookie year or his second one, 
but uh, there was this rumor that at the Entertainer, Entertainer's Basketball Classic, the Rucker Park League, in the summer, that he had caught a, an alley-oop and windmilled it. And so this was back... Look, you couldn't look stuff up that easily. You couldn't right. get videos that easily. There was a website claiming to sell these videos of this game for $20. A VHS a VHS tape for $20. I had no idea of knowing if it was true. I didn't have any money, but I bought it for $20. It came to me like three weeks later in the mail. I loaded it up, and lo and behold, there was the infamous alley-oop windmill dunk that shut down a, a Rucker League game, uh, an indoor game. It was in, in the gym because I think they had some bad weather or something like that. And that's the Vince Carter memory I have out of everything. It was just waiting to find out if I had been you know, swindled out of $20. That's my Vince Carter memory, <laughs> and thankfully I was not. And I don't know where that where that you know VHS is today because who still has VHSs anymore? But uh, but I remember that twenty dollars being one of the most uh, big, one of the biggest gambles I've ever made on anything uh, because you know when you're like what was I, I must have been like twenty nineteen years old at that point. It's a lot of money to waste. It's twenty dollars. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, that is going to do it for today's show. And this week's show, don't forget about the other basketball shows across the Athletic Podcast Network. You uh, heard Dave mention Nerder She Wrote earlier. Check that out. We had a great Basket Buds episode on the back-to-back podcast as well. No dunks every day. Check out Tampering. Check out House of Strauss, Hoops Adjacent, all the team-specific shows. And get notifications by clicking follow in the app. And, of course, you can still comment on those apps uh comment on the podcast let us know how we're doing uh let dave know how he's doing and uh just let us know that you know there's so much rudeness on the internet dave like, you know spread a little love what yeah, if we were nice to each only, other on the internet only give us love though that's all we need. only give us love hammer was hammer ethan hammer all those guys hammer sam amick but give us love we're the ones earning this thing, right? That's right. That's yeah, right. absolutely. And again, if you're not a member of The Athletic, theathletic.com slash daily ding, you'll get a 30-day trial, and you get all the best reporting and storytelling around the NBA from The Athletic writers. Uh, thanks for waking up with us or going to bed with us or whenever you listen to this podcast. Keep it locked in on The Athletic. Subscribe, do all that good stuff, and hit us with the sign-off, Dave. Ding, ding. <laughs>